Good morning. Got good level, Tyler? Excellent. Good morning. Before I start, I, um, I just want to say a real heartfelt uh, thank you to everyone in this congregation. Um, Anita and I have gone through a bit of a tough time in the last little bit, and you guys have been just so wonderful and so generous and so caring and have reached out to us and have made us feel like family and made us feel very at home. And we have been able to see a new side of the kingdom of God and a new side of his church that we haven't been able to see before. And it has touched us deeply and has blessed us incredibly richly. So we wanted to say from both of us, thank you so much for all that you have done. You have blessed us very much. So uh, this morning, I will be speaking to you on tools of the kingdom. I figure that is a fairly fitting topic for Father's Day. And, uh, and partly because I like tools. They come in all different shapes and sizes like a hammer, or chainsaws, or drills, or lawnmowers, or table saws, or screwdrivers, or tape measures, or pipe wrenches, or the mighty Leatherman. But my favorite tool of all has to be... Oh, oh. oh. it's a real close second. Uh, but it's my fly rod. I love fishing. I love that I can't catch a fish with my hands, but this definitely helps me. <laughs> uh, while these tools might seem quite obvious, there are some tools that we use every day that we wouldn't even consider to be a, a tool, really, like this, a spoon, or this, a toothbrush, or this, a can opener. And what happens when the tools that we rely on are nowhere to be found? <laughs> I th think we've all been there. See, tools help us in our daily lives to be more effective and productive. If I want a piece of toast for breakfast, it's as easy as putting the, toast, the bread in the toaster, making sure it's not set on high, then pressing it down and just waiting for it to pop. It's so efficient that I can actually do something else, and it's working for me. You see, tools are a part of our everyday. You can't go five minutes without encountering some sort of tool that makes life just a little bit easier for you or for those around you. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines the word tool like this. A handheld device that aids in accomplishing a task or something such as an instrument or apparatus used in performing an operation or necessary in the practice of a vocation or a profession. So a scholar's books are his tools. Or it's a natural ability. He has the tools to be a great pitcher. See, a tool has a job that's associated with it. Tools are not just tools for the sake of it. They have a designed purpose. They need to be used and to be effective. They need to be used to be effective. Now, I like to put, do a little bit of a demonstration here. So I like to have two volunteers. If I get two people, come on up. Yep, come on up. And someone else, someone from this side. Just, it's real simple. There you go, Ben, come on up. Perfect. Okay, we are going to do what's called the hammer challenge. 
<laughs> All right, so over here, I've got a piece of wood and I've got some nails here. So what I'm going to do, Hannah, you're going to go first. I'm going to give you this hammer and this, I know it's dangerous, right? Have you ever used one of these before? Okay, a table saw. Well, this is less violent and you should lose less limbs with something like this, okay? So what I'd like you to do is I'll just get it started here for you. Just want you to take this hammer, and we're just going to like roughly see how quickly you can nail that, that into the board for us. Yeah, probably, yeah, watch your fingers. You don't need to hold on to it. Don't need to hold on to it. It's already set. So keep your fingers out of the way and just hit it in. Awesome. Great job. That's so good. All right. Now, Ben, it's your turn. We're going to get you to, do I need to set it for you? Go for it. Okay, I'll set it for you. I'll set it real deep for you, right? Perfect. Okay. Here you go. I want you to put that nail in there with it. Oh, no, you can't use that hammer. I've given it to you, but you can't use it. How are you going to do it? We're timing you. <laughs> Hannah did this a little bit quicker. Oh, he's being creative. Oh. Come on. Ben, Hannah did it in like three seconds. What's taking you so long? Almost in. It's almost in. It's almost in, Ben. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. That's right. It probably won't go in all the way, will it? That's all right. You did wonderful. Thank you so much. You guys can take your seats. Oh, I'm sure that Ben could have found a way to get that nail all the way into the wood if he had a little bit more time. He could have picked the wood up, flipped it over, taken it, and started hitting it down, but that might have been a little bit destructive on the stage. Um, but wouldn't it have been way more efficient if he had used, been able to use or used the tool that I had given him, the tool that he had been given? See, tools allow us to do tasks with greater efficiency, but we are required to play a part in that. The hammer couldn't have put that nail in by itself. So if we agree together that tools bring greater efficiency to our daily lives, what tools are available for us for our spiritual lives? In our relationship with Christ, what tools has he given us to help us grow closer to him and to help us in building his kingdom together? There are a few passages that talk about different types of tools or gifts that we have been given that are available for us. The first one is Roman 12, 6 to 8. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Again, we look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. 
Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. And Ephesians 4, verse 11. Now these gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Look at this list. It's a huge list. Prophecy, speaking into someone's life. Serving, what we do for others on a daily basis. Teaching, it's like, could be a vocation, could be what, your, what parents do. Encouragement, lifting each other's spirits. Giving, it's not just money, but it's time, it's energy, it's love. Leadership, being able to gather people and rally people together. Kindness, or another word for mercy. Words of wisdom, speaking wisdom into people. Words of knowledge, it's like teaching and prophecy like combined. Faith, I think of Hebrews 11 verse 1. The substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. Healings, Sandy talked about this last week. Miracles, an event that cannot be explained by nature. Tongues, speaking in an unknown language. Interpretation of tongues, understanding that unknown language. Apostles, means sent by God. Administration, which is organizing and managing tasks and people. Evangelist, which is bringing the good news to people who don't know it. And a pastor, who is a shepherd of the flock. Everyone in this room has one of those gifts or more of those gifts. How encouraging is it to know that God has given each and every one of us a gift from his vast variety of gifts? None of us are without. Now, one of the gifts that God has given me is the gift of encouragement. And so I want to encourage some of you this morning. Mark, God has given you the gift of serving. You serve with such joy, and you serve with such diligence. God sees that, and you're developing that gift as he continues to grow that in you. And it blesses me, and it blesses everyone here. So thank you for that. Curtis, there's a lot of gifts. One of yours is kindness and mercy. We see that with the missions that you're a part of showing kindness to people in Guatemala and organizing us to go down there. It is so wonderful to see that, and I can see the gifts of God in you as you do that. See, there are lots of us, all of us, have gifts that God has given us. See, the reason that we can see gifts in each other is because we're all using the gifts that God has given us. And it's only when we use the gifts God has given us that they become visible. When we use gifts God has given us, they turn themselves into tools. If we don't use the gifts he has given us, they become useless tools, and they sit in a toolbox just collecting dust. Remember that a tool was designed for a purpose, and the gifts that God gives us were given for a purpose. At the end of Matthew, in chapter 28, Jesus gives us our purpose, our mission for the gifts and the tools that he has given us. Earlier in the chapter, that's where we read about all the different gifts that God has given us. And now at the end of the chapter, Jesus is telling us what they're all for. So if we look to Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. 
Then Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But just because God has given us the tools and the gifts, it doesn't mean that we have an instinct on how to use them. We may have some instinct on how to use them. We may have some inclination of how to use it at all. But it is important to know how and when to use the gifts that God has given us. The how and the when of using the gifts God has given us is crucial when we play our part in building the kingdom of God. And knowing how and when to use them requires training and requires wisdom. Wise builders know how and when to use the tools that they have been given. But an unwise use or untrained use of tools, or tools used in the wrong way and in the wrong place, can cause harm to us and harm to those around us. So the how of using tools is very, very important. So how do we become wise with the tools that we have been given to help build the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse is 24 to 27. There we go. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods came, come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So Jesus says two things in this passage that we can do to become wise builders for the kingdom of God. The first one is to listen, and the second one is to follow. So what does it mean to listen? Well, listening is different than hearing. Hearing is something that happens passively. 
could say, as I walked by, I heard them talking about the game last night. They weren't talking to me, nor was I actually listening to them, but I did hear them. Or have you ever used the phrase, oh, I heard someone saying that, dot, 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 you can fill in the blank on that. Your ears picked up on something that wasn't necessarily directed at you. See, hearing is through the ears, but listening is through the brain. And notice that in that passage that we read, it says those who listen and follow are wise, but those who hear and don't follow are foolish. So some things to think of in regards to listening, some keys to listening. One is listening requires an action. It's something that we're actively doing. You have to choose to listen to someone. It's a mental and a physical activity. Hearing requires no action, but listening takes time. There's also an aspect of listening and relationship there. Second one is that listening shows that we value who is talking and what they are saying. I remember at at college, um, after one class, I wanted to go and uh, ask a question to the the pastor who was a teacher, he was a pastor at the church as well. And for the life of me, I can't recall what the question was. And I don't think the question was ultimately that important in the long run. But what I do remember was his response and the way he reacted when I asked the question. He, there was about, when I was ready to talk to him, there was about 10 other people gathered around me. And they were all vying for his attention, wanting to get in there. It was like a big huddle. And, and so I got in there and I said, hey, Joel, I've got a question for you. And he listened so intently to what I said. There was a lot of people standing around vying for his attention. He didn't look at his watch, think about where he had to be next. He didn't grab his phone. He didn't even like look up and away from me when someone called out his name. He stayed focused on me through that entire time. In that moment, I felt incredibly valued. In that moment, I was the most important thing to him because he was listening to me. See, listening shows value to the person who is speaking. And I get a sense that in our world, there are so many things that vie for our time, that try to cut in on our time with God. But in God's kingdom, there is only one person who is worthy of our undivided attention. And that leads us to the third one, which is listening ignores distractions. There will be many opportunities for us to be distracted. Guaranteed that right now, someone is distracted by something. There is something that has caught your attention or is on your mind or is happening in your life that is causing you to be distracted right now and to not hear what God might have for you this morning. This is not meant to be a guilt trip. This is just a reality that we all live in. We cannot avoid distractions, but we can manage them. Jesus talks about distractions He says in Matthew 6, verses 25 to 33, That is why I tell you, 
not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and tomorrow they're thrown into the fire, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. I think more than any of these things, no more than understanding that listening requires action and valuing, and I think that this is the biggest hindrance for us in today's society, in our world. I believe that we genuinely do want to hear from God, but we tell ourselves that we are too busy, that we get too distracted by our daily lives to have time to actually, actively listen. And we have become content with hearing his voice from time to time. And I am just as guilty of this as anyone else here today. We as a society have become so busy that we have squeezed our relationship with God to the outskirts of our lives as an add-on if we have time. But as Jesus said in verse 33 of that passage we just read, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So what we need is a reorientation of our priorities. If we want to help build the kingdom of God, we need to really prioritize listening to God. The best way to ignore distractions is to put our priorities on God and his kingdom. It's not that the distractions of our lives go away, but if we are focused on God and what he has to say, the rest of the stuff becomes less distracting. Just like you can't tell someone to stop thinking about that, because if you do, they're just going to be thinking about stopping thinking about the thing you don't want them to think about. The best way to get them focused onto, is to get them focused onto something else. And parents with, parents with young kids will know this very well. God calls us and invites us to focus on him, and he will take care of our needs. So the first step to becoming wise builders of the kingdom of God is to listen. The second is to follow. Now, the idea of following has a few different traits as well. One, if someone is following, then there must be someone leading. The simple fact is, is that if we are not listening to what God says and following him, then he really isn't our leader. That's a tough one. And God has given us a model to follow, and that model is Christ. 
Ephesians 5, verses 1 to 2 says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Christ is our example. He lived and lives today as an example for us to follow every day. He is our leader. So following also means that the leader is the one who sets the direction and the pace. A follower does not get to choose the final destination, the route or the speed in which they get there. Their job is to follow. If God turns left, we turn left. If he speeds up, we speed up. If he decides to fly a holding pattern for a little bit, we do the same. And we wait for Christ, our leader, to give us the next lead. Our problems come when we decide to get ahead of what God is doing. Have you ever tried to follow someone who's behind you? It's incredibly difficult. We have eyes in the front of our head for a reason. It's so we can press on towards the goal, the goal which is Christ. In Philippians 3, verse 13 to 14, it says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I have not gotten to that destination. But I focus on one thing, forgetting what is past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ, is calling us. So the first is there has to be someone leading. The second, we don't get to choose the pace and the direction and the speed. The leader does. And the third one is a good leader never leaves his followers behind. A leader who abandons the people that's following them is not a very good leader. Leaders go before their followers, and they don't leave them behind. God went before his people wherever they were. And if we look back in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, when Moses is finishing up his time leading, he is getting ready to pass the torch on to Joshua, and he gives this encouragement to the people in Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you, and he will be with you. He will neither fail nor abandon you. Now that is encouraging. God is our good leader. He goes before us, preparing, and he will not fail in his preparations, and he will never leave us behind. So that's the how of using the tools that God has given us for his kingdom. How do we use the tools? We need to listen and we need to follow. And it's not just a listening once and then we follow. There's a reciprocation between the two. There's a back and forth between listening and following. Listening and following. Because it's a relationship. It's not a one-and-done type of thing. It's continually going back and forth between listening and following. Personally, I will listen, and then I will follow 
but somewhere along the way, I get distracted or I forget or a thousand different things that take attention away from what I was doing. And so in that moment, I need to go back and listen to what God says. And maybe God said exactly the same thing he told me last time. But now I'm reminded and I can continue to follow as he leads. So that's the how of using the tools that God has given us. Listening and following. That's the training portion. The next is the when to use the tools. And the when of using the tools is wisdom. Knowing how to use the tools that God has given us is not the full picture. We also need to know when. And if the how of the gifts is training in their use, the when is the wisdom and knowing when to use them. Here's a little video clip that might help illustrate how the when of using the gifts God has given us can be defined as wise or maybe in this case, unwise. And I will call upon your name. Keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. For I am yours. And you. up on it, but there was something in that version of Oceans that was just a little bit off. And if you weren't able to figure out what it was, maybe because you're deaf, (laughs) I'll tell you, it was the drummer in the sanctuary with the drumsticks that killed that song. Please understand that this is not a roast of that drummer or of drummers in general. I play drums. So I understand. And this is not an attack on his character by any means. It's just an example. So you see, it's not just about the gifts that God has given you and using them to the best possibility that you can. It's about using them in a wise way that helps build God's kingdom. So how can we use the gifts and tools that God has given us and developed in us to be wise in their use. James 1.5 says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you, and he will not rebuke you for asking. Well, here are some characteristics of the wise use of our gifts that will help us frame what it might look like. First one is that wisdom understands that using the gifts God has given us should never overpower the God that they seek to serve. In that clip, the drummer was quite proficient in his use of his tools. 
but he completely missed the general direction and the overall purpose of the song and the setting in which it was being played. In worship, our desire is for God to be honored and glorified, but in that clip, that was not happening. When I watch it, I am thinking of many things, and none of them are about bringing glory and honor to God. You see, the use of our gifts cannot be bigger than the God that we serve. The purpose of the gifts is to help build the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the main attraction, not the gifts. That's what it's all about. So the first one, the gifts can't be bigger than the God they seek to serve. The second one is that wisdom understands that using the gifts God has given us should never belittle those around us and their gifts. Again, in that clip, the drummer was playing. You couldn't hear anything other than the drums. No other instruments. All you could hear was the drums. In essence, the drummer was saying, and probably not intentionally saying this, but in essence, what he was saying was that he was more important and his gifts were more important than anyone else on that stage. When we are loud or when we are exuberant or proud or use our gifts for our own power, we overshadow what God is doing in other people's lives. No one person has been given all the gifts, but we have been all given at least one. And that means that we need each other and that we complement each other and that working together is how God designed us to build the kingdom. At Jericho Ridge, one of our core values is authentic community. The idea of honoring each other in their gifts and encouraging them to grow and develop the God-given gifts is one aspect of what authentic community can and should look like. And God has called us to help him build the kingdom of God together. So as I finish up this morning and invite the band to come up, let's remember some of these things as we move forward in and through our week. Let's remember that it is God that has given each and every one of us a gift. They're not our gifts. They're God's gifts that he has given to us. And we all have them. Be encouraged in that this morning. Second one is that our gifts, the gifts God has given us, can become tools for the kingdom of God only when we use them. And using them requires us to listen, to follow, to ask God, to give us wisdom in the use of our tools this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done. We thank you for the gifts that you have given us. We thank you that you have poured them out on us so richly, that you give to us as you have designed, God, and that you call us into those gifts. I pray that as we use them to build your kingdom, God, that it be about you and it not be about us, that your kingdom come, that your will be done, God, on earth as it is in heaven. Not our will, but your will. 
So as we listen to you, as we carve out time in our day to listen to what you have to say for us, God, and that we have the courage to follow you when you speak, I pray that you are with us, and I thank you that you say you will never leave us. And so we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor because you are worthy and you are the only one who has ever been worthy and you are the only one who will ever be worthy of our glory and honor and praise. We thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.